in our time together. So it was uh, my turn to drive the 26-foot Hertz Penske moving truck with the dual-axle car carrier in tow. Arr, 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 arr. And turning right at the street ahead, it didn't take me long to discover the right was wrong. But by this time, it was too late. I was halfway down a narrow, car-lined street, which ended in one of the smallest cul-de-sacs I have ever seen in my life. And the only thing that was missing was like every neighbor having a garage sale out on their driveway. There were cars upon cars upon cars, and I was stuck. Now, what you need to know is that I can hold my own when backing a trailer. I'm I'm confident in my trailer backing abilities, and and all my skill and all my training, it had prepared me for this exact moment. So I knew exactly what to do. Step one, turn on the flashing hazard lights. Check. Step two, check mirrors for traffic and oncoming obstacles. Check. Step three, shift the truck from drive to park. Step four, turn to my dad and say, it's all yours, big boy. When you come to a dead end in life, you find yourself with limited options. I mean, your options are you can turn around and go back, or you can back up and go back, but you're going back no matter what. There's there's no way to go forward that doesn't involve mountains of paperwork and insurance settlements. And it's not like you can just point to a random house and say, well, this house will do. Let's unload the truck and move in. And in varying ways and in varying degrees of severity, we all, don't we come across dead ends in our life here under the sun? When things, well, they don't work out as we had intended them to or even expected they would. The, the career you hoped for doesn't work out. The job you have is not the job that you expected. It's not the job that you wanted. The relationship you thought that you had is not the relationship that you actually have. A love that never ends, well, it ends You didn't get the promotion, you didn't make the team, you didn't make the squad, you didn't make the grade, you didn't make the cut. Things that you had hoped to achieve in this life, things that you expected would happen that would guarantee your future, that would cement your legacy, well, they crumble at your feet like a pile of barney. You carpe diemed, only to have the carpet ripped from under your feet. You seize the day only to grasp at what is just mist and vapor. So what are we to do with, how are we to process the the reality of the dead ends of life? Some say that the dead ends of life are evidence of a God who doesn't care about you, a God who is mad uh, mad at you, and a God who is punishing you. But The gospel comes in and gives us a different story. It gives us a a different picture of God, about a, a God who is crazy in love with us, about a God who is mad about you, about a God who gave himself to receive the punishment which belonged to you. And so the Easter story gives us a way. 
It gives us this marvelous way to see the dead ends of life as an opportunity to witness the power of God, to remember the promises of God, but more importantly, to experience the presence of God. We see something remarkable in the experience of the early followers of Jesus as they faced a dead end. They found themselves in an unexpected place. They found themselves the last place they thought they would ever be, a dead end that they could not even imagine in just a moment, in a fraction of time, in a split second. The clock has run out on their championship run. Now, how had the followers of Jesus found themselves in this dead end? Because just a few days ago, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, the people surrounded Him, and they shouted with one voice, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And just a few days later, that same crowd is shouting, crucify, crucify. I mean, just as quickly as this emotion is on an all-time high, the tide turns, and they're an all-time low. Jesus is betrayed, and He is arrested, along with the hopes and expectations of those who followed Him. Jesus is condemned and crucified. His body is removed from the cross and placed in a tomb along with the hopes and expectations of those who followed Him. The body of Jesus lies lifeless in the stillness and silence of a cold and dark grave along with the hopes and the expectations of those who followed Him. This dead end, this dead end was the dead end of all dead ends. No one recovers from this dead end. There's no possible way to go forward, and there's no possible way to go back. What had been done could not be undone. The betrayal and arrest of Jesus could not be undone. The unjust conviction and cruel crucifixion could not be undone. The lifeless body of Jesus lying in the stillness of the dark tomb could not be undone. Or so they thought. Because it was so far outside of their expectation. So the second day, Saturday... We find the followers of Jesus as helpless as the first day, Friday. But it may have been worse. The second day for them may have been worse than the first day. Because on the second day, the sun dawns and it finds the followers of Jesus hopeless. The second day finds the followers of Jesus staring headlong into the pitch black of a dark and cold grave. Hope vanishing, faith escaping, fear abounding, promise forgetting, dead end. It's easy for us to miss, those of us who have read the story, it's easy to forget that the sunrise on the third day did not greet the followers of Jesus with the same warmth and promise as it presumably greeted us today, even in clouds and rain. The sunrise of the third day was not received by the followers of Jesus with eagerness and the anticipation that we faced even this morning 
for their life had been ruined. Their promises had been shattered. It's just like our life. When we face these unexpected derailments in life, when we face these detours, when we face these dead ends, it's hard to see the warmth and the promise, the celebration and joy of Resurrection Sunday when your life is laying like a, like a pillaged ruin at your feet. Resurrection Sunday for the followers of Jesus began as a continuation of grief and sorrow. On the morning of the third day, as far as the followers of Jesus were concerned, nothing had changed. Jesus is still gone. Jesus is still dead. The body of Jesus is still in the grave, along with every single one of their hopes and expectations. Now, some of you, and you know who you are, you've waited with eagerness for some kind of one-of-a-kind special occasion. You've, you've waited in line. You've camped overnight. You've camped days. You've camped several days for that movie premiere, for that musical festival, the opening of that Chick-fil-A, of that sale that happens at that store only one year You heard the promise that it was going to happen on this particular day, and you made the necessary arrangements to be there when the doors opened. You were willing to camp several nights if necessary. If you could not be the first person in line, you wanted to be among the first. But on the first Resurrection Sunday, no one got in line to wait at the tomb. No one stood by the tomb except the soldiers who were paid to guard the tomb. Some of the followers of Jesus spent most of the night in a garden with Jesus before his betrayal and arrest, but none of the followers of Jesus stood at the tomb waiting on the third day. None of the followers of Jesus believed the words of Jesus to be true on the third day. I will rise from the dead. Even the women who had followed Jesus from Galilee, they arrive at the tomb early Sunday morning not to greet the risen Lord, but to care for His dead body. Pay attention to how they initially process the empty tomb. Because initially the empty tomb is is processed, it's met with unanswered questions. Where have you taken Him? What have you done with Him? Where is His body? The first report of the women followers is not a declaration of faith and hope. It's a declaration of sorrow and uncertainty. Listen as Cash reads to us the words from John 22. Hello, my name is Cash, and today I'm going to read John 20, verse 3. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have made him. Even when Mary Magdalene, a close follower of Jesus, finds herself face to face with the risen, resurrected Lord, she cannot see past the dead end of the grave. And her words are are similar to the words that we've just heard. Listen as Anna reads to us from John 20 and verse 13. They have taken my Lord. I don't know where they lay him. Now, she's just precious. (laughs) And I wouldn't change anything about that. But that's not how Mary would have said it. 
The men who follow Jesus, they fare no greater. Even when the news of the empty tomb is proclaimed to them by the women, they process the empty tomb as a dead end. Listen as Maddie reads from John 20 and verse 9. I'm going to be reading John chapter 20, verse 9. For as yet they do not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. I'm not blaming them. I'm not criticizing them. They have faced the dead end of all dead ends. These, these words, they're grief-laden words that are spilling over from hearts full of sorrow. So we're reading these words, we're hearing the words of the followers, and what we're seeing is that their hearts are struggling to comprehend the reality of what looks like a dead end. It's the reality that each of us face when facing a dead end. But the resurrection story reveals something so remarkable. Because in the resurrection story, the followers of Jesus have an opportunity to witness the power of God. They have an opportunity to remember the promises of God, and they have an opportunity to experience the presence of God. You can pinpoint the exact moment in the Easter story when this happens, when everything changes. When suddenly the dead end is opened up, when suddenly they understand, you can see it time after time after time, and it's usually after a phrase like, they saw Jesus standing there. Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. In the resurrection event, God is showing his ultimate power, a God who makes all things new, a God who brings good things from bad things. In the resurrection story, God is showing his ultimate promise that death has no power, no hold, no sting, that even the cruelest, vilest, wickedest scheme of man will not endure, will not prevail, will not derail. In the resurrection story, God is showing his ultimate promise, a God who is madly in love with us, a God who is decidedly for us, a God who determinately delights in us. The resurrection story is a story of power. Yes, amen. The resurrection story is a story of fulfilled promises. Yes, amen. This is an encouragement to our faith. This gives us a basis for those of us who walk on this side of the tomb. But there's something that is a far greater help for us and for them. The same thing which changed the lives of the early followers of Jesus can transform us as well. For you see, the resurrection story is a story of power. It is a story of promise, but it's a story of presence. It's about presence. It's about the resurrected living God being among them. The resurrection story is a story of how Jesus transforms those who seek him, those whom he wants to dwell with, those whom he wants to be with, those who he is for. Don't you see? The words of Jesus could not get past their expectations and doubt. <laughs> but the presence of Jesus did. So it really is a good thing that we are not saved by the words of Jesus. We are saved not by what Jesus said, by what Jesus did. That's why we're saved. So what if we face the dead ends of life in the same way, with the same perspective? 
What if we find ourselves equipped in this situation when we face life's disappointments and dead ends with the truth of these words that seep deep into the soil of our hearts? What if we could see the dead ends of our life as an opportunity to, yes, witness the power of God, yes, remember the promise of God, but to know that He is with us, that He is with us, that He is with us. Plenty, plenty of people When you face a dead end, plenty of people will tell you something like, all you have to do is have enough faith and proclaim victory. Plenty of people will say, all you have to do is name it and claim it. All you have to do, we have to be very careful with the words that come after those words, all you have to do. Because the resurrection story, the Easter message, the gospel message is what has been done for us. What has been done for us? All that has been done for us. What God did for us through Jesus. What Jesus did for us through the power of God. And there is a place for faith and hope. But faith placed in what you do is misplaced faith. It will always lead to a dead end. Hope placed in what you do is misplaced hope. It will always end in a dead end. That's why our focus as gospel-shaped people is to simply be with Jesus so we can become like Jesus, so we can do what Jesus did. As gospel-shaped people, we reject legalism and moralism and religionism and relativism. We're trying to work out in our daily lives what it means to receive and respond to the grace that God has given us. Because we believe, even in the dead ends of life, the power of God still avails. The promises of God are still true, and the presence of God is with us. When I tell that story about the time that I couldn't back up the 26-foot truck with the car carrier attached, and I had to have my dad do it because I couldn't do it, it makes me smile. It gives me such joy and delight to think about that moment. That because I knew he was with me in that truck, it didn't matter what street I took, he could get us out. It's such a joy to me to have that as part of my life, how someone could handle a wrong turn that I made. The gospel teaches us to give ourselves fully and completely in obedience, fully and completely in praise and trust to the God who gave it all for us because of what He has done for us. And this frees us from being crushed by the dead ends of life. I don't have to to face difficulty in life. You're going to face dead ends. Bad things are going to happen to you and to people you love. Things of this earth will unravel and will not work out as you want or expect. But the God who loves you, the God who delights in you, the God who approves of you, wow, even now He is working all things for your ultimate good. Blessed be the Lord who would not give up on us, Blessed be the Lord who would not give us up. Blessed be the Lord who gave himself for us. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord.
Let's pray. Father, even now through your Spirit, would you, would you root these words in our heart so that we will trust you completely, that we will follow you obediently. Father, you are here, you're present, not just in this place, but wherever we go, you are there. This is your world. You love us, you delight in us, and even now, in this moment, as the gospel has been proclaimed, I ask that you cause it to work in the hearts of those who are here, so that we all may respond to you in faith as we proclaim how blessed you are. We pray through Christ. Amen. Let's stand together.